Okay, if you have your Bibles, if you have your Bibles this morning, I want to turn to Romans 1, and we are going to look at verses 28 through 32, and we are going to be done with chapter 1 today. You know, I've been saying all along, and I said especially last week, that this portion of Scripture is very prophetic to what we've been seeing in our own country. And um, I shared with you again last week, and again, my stance is, is simply, and I shared some statistics with you last week, where our country's at. Uh, I shared some statistics to show you where the condition of the church is. Um, and And I said this, that I believe in revival, but I believe the only revival that we're going to see from this time on is a personal revival. And God starts that work in His church, but I believe, and I've said that, in this portion of Scripture, we've seen four times now where the Apostle Paul is talking about those who have gotten to the point, especially a nation, because again, he's not talking about the church here, he's actually talking about a a bigger group of people, that when they get to a certain point, God just gives them over. And it's the worst wrath that anybody could ever face. Imagine God just saying, I'm done. And walking away. And you say, man, that is so harsh. And again, I've been saying we have to be so careful not to make a God or a Jesus that is not in the Bible. Because often we hear people say things like this. My Jesus would not do that. My God would not do that. My God would never let that happen. And that's exactly what's happened is you've made Him into your God, what you think He should be, instead of what Scripture says He is. And we've been looking throughout this this chapter, is it's the wrath of God. And again, we've been saying this, the wrath of God is pure, it's holy, it's just. You cannot see it any other way. Because we worship a holy God, we worship a, a just God, we Worship a loving God. I've said throughout, you know, why is God waiting then to return? And it's simply that God has more people to be saved, more people to be brought to Him, and and He uses us to do that. And I don't know about you, but I see that as an honor and a privilege to be used by an Almighty God, someone like me, somebody like you. And so we have... A mission. We have a job. We have a privilege to go share the hope and the love of Jesus Christ. I talked about last week about being salt. And I said most of the time whenever I heard a, a, a teaching on it was always done wrong. It was the idea of that. It was a, a taste thing. But it's more of a preservation. It's how they preserved things back in that day. And and. So precious. So important. So what are we doing to preserve the Word of God? What are we doing to preserve God's ways? And I shared those statistics to you with you, not to shock you, but just to get you to understand where we are as a country. That we have turned over and been turned over to uh, sexuality, sexual impurity. I mean, some of those things I was thinking afterwards, and 
I placed them up on my social media page just so uh, we would remember what those were. And, and some of the people that have seen them, they were just shocked of where we are as a nation. And it says this in verse 28. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be. And I think about that. You know, we know who the, they are because we've looked at that portion of Scripture in the verses before this. You know, I made a point last week too. We have to be so careful that we are not encouraging these things. What kind of television shows are we watching? Do you realize that every time you watch a television show that you are actually paying? That you're promoting financially things. And we have to be so careful because they have worked it into our world, even in commercials today, to where sexual impurity is everywhere. It's everywhere. I mean, I, Missy will tell you this is true. Me and my son David, at a very young age, I taught him to when something came on to turn his head. Turn his head. And it's funny, still today, when we're sitting on the couch and a commercial comes on, we both stare at each other. And it's kind of weird because sometimes those commercials last like a minute. And I'm not even looking to see what Missy's doing at that point. But, you know, it's me and David's usually in this high deadlock. And it's like, man, this is weird, dude, especially as you've gotten older, you know. But what are we allowing into our own lives? What are we laughing at? Do we laugh at those things that put Christ on the cross? The Bible says we should not laugh at sin, but our hearts should be moved. So I'd encourage you really to do a self-examination. And I'm going to ask you to do a self-examination too as we move through these verses today because this is going to give you a good sign, uh, a way to be able to look inside of each one of us Look inside myself and say, am I any of these things that are going to be listed here? So we see in verse 28 this, this word that we come across, a debased mind. Some of your versions say different things. Uh, can you just tell me what your versions say if you're not reading out the ESV this morning? A reprobate mind. Yep. There's degraded. What's that? Depraved. Okay. So there's different words that are used there, but they all mean the same. And in ESV, uh, that word is debased. What does that word mean, debased? And, and I simply, again, looked it up in the Greek. I looked and seen exactly what it meant in this day and, and as we read it. And debased, it means this, to be ruined in character quality to be turned upside down from its proper position. Invert first, worthless, worthless. And you say, do we see this in the day and age that we're living in? Do we see uh, people that are given over to a debased mind? And again, I go back to some of the things that we have seen recently in our country. I think about men competing in women's sports in the Olympics. I think about, like I shared with you last week, 
those that are higher up, considering making pornography softer for ages uh, 10 through 15 because they realize the damage that the pornography does today that is out there, that it's not normal. I think about constitutional rights or trying to I think about telling you that your hope is in a vaccine, but now you've got to get another shot. And possibly now you've got to mask up because those that have received the vaccine is now trans sending out the, the, the virus. I, I wonder, do we live in a country where, in a lot of ways, They've been getting over to a debased mind, worthless thinking. Things that are turned upside down, like God can't be mentioned, like a president that did not attend the National Day of Prayer for the very first time in our history. I think about how God can no longer be brought into the schools. God cannot be brought into the courts. We want God off of everything. Has it been because they've been given over to a debased mind? It says this, and when they, they do and when they are, because they have not acknowledged God. And because they didn't acknowledge God, they were given over. And they start doing things that should not be done. Like trying to allow kids to operations before the age of consent. These are things that are debased. And again, I will sit across my desk with you if need be to show you that this is where we are today. Trust me when I say this. There is not a party that's going to change this. For all of you, and again, I appreciated President Trump. I'm not afraid about that. I believe in our process here. I have always voted. I will always vote. But I do not put my trust in a party or in a person. I put my trust in Jesus Christ and in Christ alone and in His Word. The only thing that is going to change this or turn it around, if it's possible, is Jesus Christ. That is the only thing. Again, I'm not saying vote next time. Listen, you don't want to tell me you don't vote in an election because you're probably going to get a lecture from me. Because God has given that ability to us and I think we need to use it to what Scripture tells us and how Scripture should tell us how to use it. And it says in verse 29, And they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, comma, evil, comma, covetousness, comma, malice, comma. They are full of envy, comma, murder, comma, strife, deceit, comma, maliciousness, comma, period. Sorry. They are gossips. They're slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless, Though they know God's righteous decree 
that those who practice such things deserve to die, they do not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. That is severe. So what has God given them over for? I, I mentioned that earlier. We, we see in the earlier text it's to sexual impurity, degrading of their bodies. I shared statistics with you and scientific proof that, again, when these type of sexual things happen, that it actually destroys your physical body by cells that start breaking down the immune system. And I said last week, it's amazing to me that as... More science gets, the more it proves God, time and time again. I'm not shocked by that science, because God's Word has said it for thousands of years. Hey Dick, is this breaking up? Okay, I'm going to switch. took me years to get broken of this. I, you know, when I was beginning a, a preacher way back when, this was like a pacifier to me. And then when I came here, I got away from it. And now it just seems weird. So we see they've been given over to sexual impurity and the degrading of their bodies. We see uh, another thing they've been given over is the, their hearts have been given over to sinful desires. And that's simply free reign that anything goes. They see that they've been given over to a depraved mind or a debased mind. Why did God give them over? It simply shows us in the previous text because they rejected the knowledge of God. And we've seen in the previous text that that rejection comes even in creation. That God has given us the ability to be able to see Him in His creation. Everything that He's created from us to the trees to the grass to everything that we see. But they refuse to see it. They refuse to make those obvious conclusions that there is something bigger than themselves. What's the result of God giving them over? Well, the result is they've been filled with every kind of wickedness. Evil, greed, depravity. They've been full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, that whole list that we just read. And I really felt that what I needed to do to finish up this chapter is take us through each one of those words that the Apostle Paul gives us here. And really dig into them and say, okay, where and what does this look like? And, and God, please show me if any of these things are in me. Because again, I said last week, we want to hate the things that God hates and love the things that God loves. So the first thing that we're given is that word uh, unrighteousness. And that word in the Greek simply means this, to be morally wrong. Morally wrong. All you have to do today is turn on the news. All you have to do is look around, read a newspaper, and you'll find out that a lot of things are going morally wrong. I shared with you last week 
that Newsom Mountain, California is trying to, and he's passed a law, or I should say it's been passed, that now if you are a pedophile or you have uh, done rape or sexual assault in California, that it's just like the same type of punishment as if you were to go in and get caught shoplifting. That's morally wrong. It's unrighteousness. How about this next word we look at? It it says that it's because of evil. And that word evil there actually means worshiping idols. It's the idea of worshiping idols. Do we see that happening in our world? Worshiping things that are not God? It seems to me that right now we see them worshiping things, everything but God. We see this idea of covetousness. It's the idea of greed, having to have more or wanting what someone else has. And this is why I'm saying we need to really look inside of us and say, God, is there any of this in me? And if there is, please remove it. Please cause me to repent and turn from it and turn to you. That idea of greed there also has the idea of stepping on other people, hurting other people. It always does my heart so good when I see the opposite of this. When I see somebody go out of their way and laying down their life for someone else. Or they're giving something of theirs up to bless someone else. I don't know about you, but it does my heart good to see that. And then we're given this word malice. We see this in verse 29, that word malice. And the word malice there in the Greek means badness, naughtiness. They're doing whatever they can behind the scenes. They uh, kind of throw a stick into a bike spokes and hoping not to be seen doing it. Just downright being nasty. And then we see this word gossips. And this is the idea of gossip is the betrayal of confidence. It's when people spread secrets, whether true or false. True or false, doesn't matter. I shared with you a couple of weeks ago, there's actually companies now that political candidates can hire to do this exact thing. To put out distruths about somebody that's running for a certain office. Whether it's true or not. Because they know if they can get you to hear something that a lot of the people in this country will believe it and they'll hold on to it. I don't want to be one that's considered a gossip. I don't want to betray confidence. I don't want to spread secrets, whether they're true or false. We're given this word slanderers. And again, you might think, man, it's got to be close to gossip. Those that gossip, and this word slanders simply means this, spreading false information. So it's just not spreading true information, but just false. 
Gossip is spreading both. Slanderers spread just false information. Do you see that in the day that we're living in? We see the phrase, haters of God. And in the Greek, it simply means hateful towards God. They can't stand them. They don't want nothing to do with them. They don't acknowledge them. They'll do whatever they can to make him out to be something that he's not. We see this next word, insolent. It simply means this, showing scorn for those that are inferior. Now, in a Christian's life, can you look at anybody as being inferior? Really, you can't. Yeah, you're not supposed to. You can't. Is it possible? If you're in sin, it's possible. But we know that God has created all equal, that he has no favorites, the Bible says. But those that are insolent, that have been given over, again, they believe that there's those that are inferior Listen, Christians, we have been placed in this category for about 15 years. And you know why I say that? Because you started seeing it into your TV shows, your sitcoms. Who's, who's always the whack job in the neighborhood? The Christian, right? I mean, they do this from cartoons to regular movies. They're the goofballs. They're the ones that don't know anything. Listen, this is just going to get worse and worse and worse as time goes on. The world will tell you that there's other people out there that are inferior, and it's untrue. They burn cities because they claim that. The next word we see here, it says haughty. They've been given over because they are those that are haughty. And, and that simply means in the Greek, appearing above others. So we see insolent, meaning those that scorn those that they think are inferior. But then we see this word haughty that means appearing above others. This is, this is one that we might want to look inside our own life and say, is this happening? Do I think I'm a little bit smarter? Do I think I'm a little bit more prettier? Do I think that I'm a little bit richer? Do, you, do I think I'm a little bit better class? The Bible says to prefer one another. And when it says that, that word prefer means to lift others above yourself. It's almost to parade them above yourself. That should be our goal as Christians, to promote others above us instead of trying to put them down, trying to be above them. But this world that we live in is difficult. It's dog-eat-dog, right? How many of you have heard that phrase? Me and Missy will tell you, one time we were part of a fellowship that they, their biggest thing is, we're going to be on the top of Mount Zion no matter what. And they would, they would press that into the point that it was like, and anybody that tries to get up, we're going to kick them down because this is our top of the mountain. There's only so much room at the top. What a brutal way to live. Instead of reaching down and helping up. 
You see, another reason why they've been given over to this, this base mind is it's this word boastful. And this word boastful means this, showing excessive pride and self-satisfaction in one's achievements, their possessions, those things that they own, or their abilities. Oh, this is a tough one. It is for me anyway. I'm, I'm learning more and more. I'm learning that anything good in me is Jesus. That anything that is good in my life, it's because of Him. We have this next reason here. It's a phrase, inventors of evil. And that word means this, delighting in inventing original or novel ways of doing evil. Delighting in inventing original or novel ways of doing evil. Inventors of evil. Do you, if, if you can't see this in our world today, I'd have to say that you've been blinded. The next word we see here is disobedience to parents. And you say, and when I read this through, and well, this was some while back when I started reading through the text, and I, you know, I got to that point, and I said, okay, well, I know that, that in the Old Testament that disobedience to parents was actually a, a death sentence. And I actually have said this here in this, this building, thank goodness, children, that we're under the new covenant because your parents, if you're disobedient, would be able to take you out in the parking lot, and we'd all join them and throw big rocks at you. It was a death sentence. And you say, why in the world would this be in here? Well, the Holy Spirit and the Apostle Paul knew what was going to happen in the days to come. See, God's structure of the home and God's way in the home is that there is parents and children and the parents are to submit and be obedient to the parents. And when that leaves and when that has stopped in households, it goes out into the world. This is why police officers are retiring and leaving their jobs. This is why a lot of police officers that I know are going back into jails. Because they don't want to be on the road anymore. Because those that have been disobedient to parents, if you're not obedient to parents, you will not be obedient to any other source of authority in our world. Obedience goes out the window when you've been given over to a depraved mind. Lawlessness happens. We see in our world today the cities that yelled and defunded the police. We see where they're at today, right? Crime rates higher than they ever have been. Well, when you defund authority, what do you expect? I, 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 got, I got to stay there for a minute. I'm, I'm just going to say this. 
you know, last year we lost staff. Part of the reason was because I went to a Blue Life Matter rally and played, prayed over first responders, which I have done in the past, and it was a privilege to do it. And I'll say this. Is there bad police officers? Definitely are. I'm seeing Joe shaking his head yes. He's probably probably maybe worked with them before I've seen them. Is there bad pastors? Yes. I think there's bad, there's probably bad teachers, right, Lindsay? Yeah. I remember having a teacher, my typing teacher, who failed me my first semester in class. And I knew I didn't fail because how many of you know it's hard to fail typing class? Any of you here have typing? I know I'm aging myself. A few of you, yeah, because you do all your work in class, right? Because they didn't expect you to have a typewriter at home. So you do all your timings. Everything got corrected right there. And I knew what I was getting, and she failed me. And then she went to go fail me the second semester. My dad stepped in, had a meeting, and brought her into a room And she broke down crying and said, I'm failing your son because he looks like my ex-husband. She was a bad teacher. I believe that she took early retirement because of that. I feel bad for her husband. Listen, if there's not obedience in the home, and this is what the Apostle Paul is trying to get here, there will be no obedience anywhere else. It starts in the home. And I've I got to stay there. This is why it's so important, parents, that you are investing, that you are sharing, that you are teaching your kids about Jesus Christ in your house. That you're living a true example of what it means to be a Christian. Does that mean that you're not going to fail? But again, a true Christian does what? Repents, turns, asks for forgiveness. If you're sitting here today and you've never asked your children for forgiveness, I'd have to say that you better check deep inside your heart because that's part of the process of growing and raising children. And many of you know if you have more than one child, they're not all the same, are they? Even we try to parent them the same, they're different individually. We see this next word that's given to us for those that have been given over to a debased mind, a mind that is not worth anything, the Bible says. Is this word foolish. Foolish. That means no understanding in the Greek here. This word is used throughout Scripture many times, and it's often referred to as this, those void of God. Those void of God. Because without God, you won't understand anything, will you? Everything's going to just seem like it's, it's, it's way out there and you can't get a grasp on it. We see this next word, faithless. Faithless. That those that are given over to a debased mind are faithless. What does this word faithless mean? Because this word faithless here is used a couple different ways. But here in this portion of Scripture, it simply means this, covenant breaker. Covenant breaker. I think about that idea of being a covenant breaker. I think about the divorce rate in our country today. 
How many know that when you stood in front of that pastor, in front of God, that you were making a covenant? How many here know that covenants are hard to keep? You're not raising your hand, hon? She's shaking her head. 32 years of marriage, she can say, and I can say, marriage is not easy, is it, at times? There's not days that, there's days that we've actually probably said, we have said this, I don't like you very much today. Not today, though. We're, today's date day. <laughs> yeah, date day is a good thing today because we get to go someplace and we get to eat tacos today. So, Cadbury Village, Taco Fest. But are we covenant breakers? These people that are given unto a debased mind are covenant breakers. They're godless. We are given another word here. It's heartless. And it kind of has a close to the same meaning, but just a little bit different. In the Greek it means those that have no affection. They're truce breakers. So they'll make an agreement, but they'll break it as soon as you turn your back. There's no affection, no feeling at all for what you really care. And then we're given this last word here, ruthless. And it simply means this, ones that have no mercy. Ones that have no mercy. You know, that's a tough one too because I have run into so many Christians that hold on forgiveness. I always tell them, I always take them to Scripture where Jesus makes it clear that if we don't forgive others, Heavenly Father won't forgive us. And again, I don't think that's a matter of salvation. I think that's a matter of relationship. Can you imagine waking up and not being able to be forgiven? One of my favorite verses is, that the Lord's mercies are new every morning. Great is His faithfulness. Why do we need them new every morning? Because we're just that bad. We need them. And I've often said this, we show no mercy when we have not received mercy. How many know that that's impossible for a believer? Because the day of your salvation, the day that you were born again, you were shown mercy. I've said this before, we love because we've been loved. We are faithful because we serve a faithful God. I could go on and on and on. So we see that they've been given over. And they've been given over to all these things. It says all manners of unrighteousness. It says in 32, though they know God's righteousness degree, that those who practice such things deserve to die. They in some way understand that this brings death.
You know, if you think, and again, I, 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 I'm having to become a political preacher because this stuff is entering the church. And when it enters the church, I have to address it. If you think what's going on today is any form of godliness, I'm afraid to tell you what you're seeing is Marxism that's going to lead to communism in this country. I'm praying for each and every one of you that work for somebody that is forcing you to take a vaccine. Whether Whatever you believe about that vaccine doesn't matter. Think about uh, people like Amy who worked during that whole COVID time and now is being told if you don't take a shot that you're going to lose your job. We've got to understand where this is coming from. It's coming from those that have a debased mind. They have no idea. The science now doesn't even have anything to do with it. This is why it's so important the day that we're living in. Again, we've got to go back to the Gospel of John and we have to say, Holy Spirit, you promised to lead me in all truth. There are still people living in so much fear. You need to have the Holy Spirit revealed to you. And again, I'm just going to say it. If you're waiting for a loud voice, audible voice, you might be waiting for a long time. But what you need to do is look through the lens of Scripture and say, what does God's Word say? Do I truly believe that this is the base in my life? Do I truly believe that this is what I should be looking into to find out what God's will is for me? And again, I, I'm here to help you walk through that. If you if you want to say, "Hey, how how is this effective?" and and and, and how is and and I'm just going to say this: anybody here that thinks that the the vaccine is the mark of the beast, you are so messed up. And so way off, because that is not what it is. The Bible makes it clear what that is and what it's going to be and the reasons for it. But it's sad to me to see what has happened to our country because of men and women that have been given over to this debased mind. But again, I'll bring us back to those words, and I want you to examine yourself here. And like I said, we're done with chapter 1. But you need to really reflect just like I did when I wrote this. Am I in any way unrighteous to be morally wrong? Am I any way evil? Do I have an idol worship set up in my life somehow? And an idol is anything that comes before God. Would you agree with me this morning? Anything we put in that place is an idol. So we have to really look inside and say, am I putting anything above God? Listen, God's desire for you is to have a life of worship. That is not the 20 minutes that we do up here where we sing, but it is a lifestyle. It's not just you coming to church on Sunday, but it's living your life of worship Sunday through Sunday. That's what God desires. He desires to have a relationship with you daily. Sometimes minute by minute.
Are you covetousness? Are, are you one that covets other things or wants something more than what you have? Do you have that sin of greed in your life? How about malice? Just being naughty and bad. I'm not talking about hiding behind the door and scaring your wife. I'm talking about actually trying to do harm. Being bad, evil, naughty that way. How about are you a gossip? It's true or false information. Nothing will kill a church faster than gossip. I remember when I became pastor here, at that time it was Mountaintop Church, I had to deal with a situation, a couple of situations that dealt with gossip head on, and it wasn't easy. It was tough. It's something that can get inner, inside of us in a way that it's just, before you know it, you don't even know that you're doing it. I would hope that nobody hears haters of God. Are you insolent? Do you scorn those that are inferior? Are you haughty that you think that you're above other people? You know, we're teaching in Acts, and this last Wednesday I taught. We talked about Apollos, this amazing guy who was teaching, but he only knew up to what the Bible said, John's baptism. But man, he was preaching whatever he had. This guy was faithful. He, he, and what happens is Quilla and Priscilla come along and they listen to him and they say, man, this guy's dynamic. He's preaching correctly, but he's missing some things. And, and afterwards they take him aside. They fill him in and what, what he was missing. And, and it says that he goes on to be a powerful person in the new church. And we see him recognized in a couple different scriptures, one in 1 Corinthians, the other one in Titus. And one thing that you find out about this guy was he was a guy that was not in any way haughty. In our day and age, he would have been the preacher that was good looking, skinny jeans, had everything together, could communicate no issues, had a nice head of hair. He was that guy. But in no way was he haughty. He was teachable. How about boastful, excessive pride in our achievements, those things that we own? I pray that nobody here is inventors of evil. Oh, do we have any teenagers? Oh, you have a couple teenagers. Sorry, I'm looking right at you, bud, but I know you're a good kid. Your mom tells me, your grandpa tells me. Is there anybody here that's being disobedient? Not just to parents, but in other areas of your life. Because again, Paul's trying to address something here. He's making it clear that disobedience, if it starts in the home, it will go other places outside the home. If you're a born-again Christian here, foolishness does not, does not pertain to you. Faithless, same thing. Heartless. No affection towards God. I would pray that there's nobody here that fits in that category. How about being ruthless, though? No mercy. No mercy. 
I would encourage you this morning, I'm going to have you stand. And maybe you're sitting there today, maybe as we're speaking, again, just looking at these signs. You might say, hmm, am I any of those things? Because if you are, I'm just going to encourage you, those are things that God hates. Those are things that He detests. And I would encourage you today to get those things Simply go before God and say, God, forgive me. I need to repent. I found myself being boastful. I found myself putting up idols other than you. But my prayer is for you today is this, is that to understand as we're closing out chapter one is that the wrath of God is, it's just. It is holy. The Bible says that His ways are higher than our ways. The Bible says there's times that we're not going to understand. But He does. And I'm paraphrasing that this morning. My prayer is for each and every one of you here is as we go through times, because I can tell you something else. Next week, or within the next two weeks, there's going to be another invention of evil. There's going to be something that you read and you're just going to be shocked. You're going to say, man, how in the world can that be happening? How many of this last year and a half have you seen that? Wow, how can this be happening? How can they even think that this is anywhere close to being right? It's because they've been given over to a debased mind. One that is worthless. Can't think thank God that He has saved me, that He has saved you, that He has again given us the ability to have insight through His Word, through a relationship that we have in Him, that we're able to walk through this world as sojourners, as aliens, as pilgrims, as the Bible says. Understanding that there's something so much better. And until that day when He comes for His church, we are on a mission. There are so many people out there looking, because people without God that don't know God are even saying, what in the world's going on? I mean, if anything, they're, they're seeing gas prices in California right now up past $5 and saying, what's going on here? Or eggs. $4.80 a dozen. What's going on here? People are seeing things and they're just, they can't understand it. And see, there's so many ways that God wants to use you in your world. Do you have the answer for those things? Do you have an answer for the longing in their soul? You do. And again, just like Apollos, go back to this again. I love how our Acts study is running into the Romans study here. Apollos, he had only so much, but man, it says that he was preaching with a fire. The word in the Greek actually means he was boiling over. He was a guy that got people's attention. Even though he had just part of the truth. Listen, you have all the truth this morning. And my prayer is for us is that we become a people that are just boiling over. 
He said, well, I'm not called to be a preacher. I'm not called to preach. Listen, how about Aquila and Priscilla? They never, in no place in Scripture, do you see them preaching and thousands of people coming to Christ. But what you do see of them is, hey, Apollos, come on over. Listen, there's some gaps in your teaching. Let me show you. Hey, come on over for dinner. Let's sit down because the Bible says they didn't do it while he was teaching. But they did it in a loving way. Hey, come on. Come on over. And I use the example of my parents. When my parents, when they got saved and they came to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, they started studying the Word, going to Bible studies. And my parents went to every Bible study they could. When the church doors were open, they were there. And I've seen something with my parents that every new person that got saved in the church, they would say, hey, come on over our house. And they would sit down at that kitchen table with pots of coffee and they would share the gospel. They would fill in the voids. And listen, in the world that we're living in today, and please don't take this wrong because there's a lot of churches that are teaching and preaching the Word of God. But how many know the way that we teach and preach here is not normal, verse by verse? And I've changed that here at Momentum a while back because I've come to the realization that is the only way to teach because what I was seeing was this. A lot of people that had so many voids in the knowledge of the Bible because the preacher was preaching over here and and then he'd preach over here and he would connect none of it. I call it cherry picking preaching. I used to be a cherry picker preaching Bible. I mean, that's the way I used to preach. You come here, there'd be one different and thank the Lord for you that stayed with me. But the reason why we preach the way we preach here is because we don't want you to miss anything that's in the text because if you get it and you see it as a whole, there's something that happens inside of you When you go home, I hope, afterwards, and you study this out for yourself and say, Amen, I agree. God is able to do something to the point that where you are able to sit down with others and say, Listen, let me show you. Let me help you. Let me help you navigate through that. We all have a job. Apollos was to go on and preach to many to the point that they compared them to Paul and Peter. Remember that portion of Scripture in 1 Corinthians where they're saying, oh, some follow Paul and some follow Apollos. And some follow Peter and some follow Christ. He had reached that position in the church, even probably didn't even know it. They were seeing him as like second person I want to follow. And it was because of two people that simply sat down with him. That never led thousands to Christ said, hey, let me help you fill in the gaps. Let me tell you the real story of Jesus Christ. So as I pray, no matter where you're at, if you're one of the people here, maybe you recognize the Holy Spirit's jabbing you and saying, hey, you've put an idol in front of God. I'm so glad that we serve a loving God and because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that we can go to Him and ask forgiveness time and time and time and time again. He forgets. He forgets and He forgives. So, Father, I just come to You today. I thank You for Your Word. I thank You for the gift of Your Word. Lord, I thank You, Lord, that we're able to
and navigate through it with the help of the Holy Spirit and see what you have in it for us today. How does it apply to us and the world that we're in? And God, even though this world has been given over, it seems to a debased mind, and even those that are in leadership seem like what they're thinking and engineering evil and things that go against your word, and they seem like they're so godless, God. You still have a plan for us today. There are so many people looking, searching. They realize that their hope is not in a political party. They've lived it out. They realize that that is not going to save them, that that is not their Savior, and they are looking today for the one that truly does save. And so, Father, I pray today, Lord, that you cause us, Lord, to be equipped. Cause us, Lord, to root out those things in our lives through the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, those things that you hate, Lord, whether it be gossip, whether it be putting idols in front of you, whether it be those that are are slandering people, are those that feel that we are higher and lifted up above others and pressing those down that we think are more inferior. God, I just ask that you root all that evil out of our hearts today. Cause us, Lord, to repent, turn from it, Lord, and turn towards you. Lord, cause us, Lord, to be a people that love mercy, but also show mercy. Because you have been so merciful. So, Father, I just ask that you just continue, Lord, to do surgery on our hearts. By your word, Lord, there's no sharper instrument, Lord, to get at, Lord, those things in our heart that are not of you. So, Father, go with my brothers and sisters today. Lord, allow them to see the opportunities that are in front of them. Because they're all around. But, Lord, we have to have open eyes and open heart. Lord, we have to hear your spirit. So, God, cause us, Lord, to walk out our calling faithfully until the day that you come. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.